0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thanks, worship team. You have your Bibles, James chapter 5, James chapter 5, verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Irrespective of your preconceived ideas about God, He is full of compassion and mercy. And so, Lord, as we go to the Word, I just pray that by the Holy Spirit, You would speak to us. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. every preconceived idea, we come against it in Jesus' name. Just let there be a freedom to speak and to hear the Word of the Lord. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would understand things by the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Father, we, we come to the Word With a heart that says, Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord, by the Holy Spirit. And I just thank you for what you're going to do today. I thank you that you will speak and our lives will be changed. Let there be nothing in me. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to be a conduit for the Holy Spirit today, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. It's the last message in a series that we've been in over the last few weeks building a spiritual hedge. Uh, over the last few weeks we've been looking at the life of Job and um, the context is God's words to Satan who said to him have you considered Job it's an interesting scripture and uh, when God goes to Satan and says have you considered Job he wasn't saying have you considered you know have you kind of caught up with him lately no have you considered putting him through a trial a tribulation Satan replies Well, he's kind of saying, I mean, it's in between the lines, is my version. Well, I kind of have thought about it, but have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has, his flocks and herds and spread throughout the land. Satan says, you've put a wall, a barrier around him. And because of that, I can't actually get to him. I'd like to get to him, but you've put a hedge, a wall, a barrier around him, and I can't get to this guy. And so over the last few weeks, we've been unpacking this scripture, this concept, about building a spiritual hedge. We've looked at the purpose of the hedge to protect us from harm. The enemy says, I can't get to him because there's a hedge, there's a wall there. We've talked about the reason why we need one is to protect us from harm, to enable us to flourish. We've talked about how to build three specific hedges that are embedded in the verse, the personal hedge, family hedge, possessions hedge. And we've talked about the fact that if we do have a spiritual hedge in our lives, we know that ultimately it's by the grace of God. It's not something that we can do necessarily or develop, but but ultimately it's by the grace of God. But we also said that there are things that we need to do. Uh, We're we're not passive observers, we are active participants in the building process. It's like a plant, like growing a plant. Growing a plant is very simple, apparently. It's never been simple for me. (laughs) But apparently it's really simple. You put a seed in the ground, you water the seed, you fertilise the soil, it's we do our part. A seed is just a, 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 a bunch of potential, but it's not until you, 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 you plant. The seed is just a concept until you, you plant it. You plant the seed, water the seed, fertilise the soil. It's pretty simple stuff, really. It's not that complex. But as we do our part, ultimately God then makes the plant grow. When you, you think about a plant growing, you think about out of a seed, a tree can grow that bears fruit. It's just phenomenal. You try and understand that with the human mind, how all I did was put this seed in the ground, bit of water, bit of fertilizer, and a tree pops up. It's a miracle. You can't explain that. You can't do that. You can't do that. A scientist can't do that. A professor can't do that. We can't do that. It's a miracle. It's what God does. That's a spiritual, uh, that's a natural principle. It applies in the spiritual as well. It's how we build a spiritual hedge in our lives. Now, as we've looked at this series, there's a question that's come into my mind. As we've been looking at this, this whole series, as I've been going through it, and, and, and right, there's a, there's a question that's popped up into my mind. Maybe it's popped up into your mind as well. Because the easy thing for me was kind of leave, Job. Let's move on to the next uh, series. It's a bit of a complex question. Maybe we'll just leave it alone. No one's brought it up, so it's all cool, but you know, your pastor's honest sometimes um and there's a there's a question that i believe needs to be answered in the story in the text and that is this if job was such a godly man a man that feared god shunned evil blameless upright a man of integrity the kinds of things we've been saying we need to have to build a spiritual hedge then why was job's hedge compromised why did Job go through this trial that affected his life, his family and possession? Why did Job go through this trial that nearly destroyed him? If he was such a good man, if he was such a godly man, if he, was, if he, was, if he had the qualities that we are saying we need to build a spiritual hedge, how did the enemy get through? I mean, If we're gonna do the work of building a spiritual hedge, a wall, a boundary, whatever you want to call it, and the enemy can still get through, what's the point? Why do the work? Why go to the trouble? Fair question. So I think it's a question that is worth exploring because as we dive into the book of Job, the question itself takes us to the heart of the message within the book of Job. So there's two things I wanna do this morning. One, I wanna kind of explore why does the hedge come down? Why is the hedge compromised? Why do we go through painful trials, difficult situations that make no sense? And then the next question is, well, if, we, if we're gonna go through a trial like Job, then what do we do? How do we handle that? How do we deal with it? And my prayer is the Holy Spirit will speak to all of us here today. So let's look at the first question. Why does the hedge come down? Why do we go through painful trials, perplexing situations, the storms of life, stuff we don't understand? I believe there's at least three reasons why the spiritual hedge in our life is compromised. The first one is because we ignore the principles of God's Word. This may seem like a contradiction if you were here last Sunday. We said last week, Job went through this trial. He has three friends that come and comfort him. They all, they, they all three essentially said exactly the same thing. They said, Job, if you're suffering, means means that you've done something wrong. They had a concept, their theology was really, really simple. Good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. Eliphaz says this, As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. In other words, Job Let me explain to you why you've just gone through what you've gone through, why you've gone through this severe trial, because there's sin in your life, you deal with the sin and everything's gonna be okay. Now, I'm gonna come back to this in just a moment. What they were saying was true, but it did not apply to Job. It did not apply to Job. But what they were saying was true. And the principle itself is a principle that runs right throughout the Scripture. Again, it's a planting analogy. Galatians chapter six, verse seven. Listen to what it says. It says do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Uh, Don't think it's not gonna happen. You, you, You can't make fun of God. You will reap what you sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction, but whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. It's a it's a law of nature, it's a principle in nature. It's also a principle in the spiritual. Whatever you sow, you will reap. If it's if it's um uh if it's good seed, it's going to reap good things. If it's not, it's it's going to reap bad things. And don't, don't be deceived about that. Some people think, oh, you know what? I'm gonna plant an apple seed, but I'm hoping to get watermelons. How many people know that's just, that's just something's wrong. And yet we do that all the time. We, we, we continuously sow something that's negative, but we expect to get a positive result. And don't be deceived. In other words, it's gonna happen I mean, you might think it's not going to happen to you, but it will it will happen in due season. One of the things I don't like about, you know, gardening. I mean, I'm trying really hard, but I, I just I just one of the things I really struggle with it, it's just the time it takes to grow things, you know. I'm one of those kind of instant kind of guys. Do I have any friends? I like to plant the seed. I want to pick something tomorrow. All right, not tomorrow, but the week after. That's the kind of guy I am. But you know, in gardening, you gotta plant the thing. I'll tell you the story, I don't know if I told this story, I think I said it in Italian service, I can't remember. I'm in my mid-50s now, so you've got to be patient with me. But uh, I, 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 I was growing beans. Beans are good because they're fast-grown, right? So uh, I grew one, grow some beans. I thought, you know what, I did it once, I could do this times 20. I had this plan in my head. Buy some pots, buy some soil, plant seeds, bam, done. And within one hour, it was done. Went to the hardware store, bought the pots, bought the seed, bought the, bought the, the manure, bought the seeds, it's all done. I stood back and I thought, uh, and now I've got to wait. <laughs> now I've got to wait. I've got to wait for these plants to actually grow and, and, and all the rest of it. But you know, a plant just just does what a plant needs. A tree does what a tree needs to do. You plant the tree uh, this year, the seed this year, and it will grow, and you may not get the fruit next year or the year after, but in due season, you will pick the fruit. That, that's a principle in the, in the spiritual, in, in, for the good. That's a principle for the bad. For the good, if, if, you, if you read the Word, come to church, pray, seek after God, you may not see change straight away. You may not see fruit straight away. But if you persist in doing those things, if you continue to just do those very basic things, in due season, the Bible says you will reap a, a great reward. Yeah. And that's true for the wrong things as well. You, you continue to sow negativity. You continue, you, can, you, you continue to sow stuff that pleases the flesh. You may not reap the fruit of that decision immediately, and that's what's so deceiving about it. Oh, Pastor Joe, I've done a few stuff, the stuff like that, nothing's happened to me. Bible says, don't be deceived, God cannot be mocked. In due season, you shall reap the consequences of those decisions that go against the Word of God. And and, and people see the Bible as a rule book. God is a killjoy. He's not a killjoy. He's out to protect us. He's like a parent seeing their children play with matches. What do they do? Don't play with matches. Because they know what's going to happen. And we say to God, you know what? All right. Thanks for the advice God, but I'm gonna go down this road. God can already see the outcome of the road, miles ahead and He's there, He's there to protect us. He's saying, listen, I know what you want. What you want is life and life in abundance. Don't go down this road, go down this road. It's a principle of scripture. Wisdom says in Proverbs, it's wisdom speaking, it's actually God speaking. Says, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. Now I could give you so many more scriptures. One of the reasons why the enemy is able to push through our spiritual hedge is because we've ignored the principles of God's Word. We've rejected the truth. We've rebelled against God. We've opened the door and said to the enemy, come on in. Great example of this in the story of the people of Israel. God loved the people of Israel. He blessed them, protected them, but they turned away from God. Started to worship foreign gods, and God warned them not to do that. He sent prophets one after the other. They warned them turn back to God. Israel ignored them. In fact, they persecuted the prophets. As I was, um, as I was uh, writing this, uh, I was actually writing on the airplane. Uh, I was in Sydney this week, and my battery was going flat. And I get this warning. <laughs> yeah, I've spoken about this before, but it has actually happened while I'm writing. This section, uh, I get a warning, your battery's running flat. You know, you got like, I don't know, 20% left, whatever. I get another warning, get another. That's how God works with us. The Bible says that God is slow to anger. He doesn't just lose it. He's slow to anger. He sends warnings. It's what He did with the people of Israel. They were going down the wrong road. And God says, He he runs after them and He says, don't go down this road. Don't go down this road. Don't go down, there's destruction down this road. Don't go down this road but they refused to listen. Bible says that God is slow to anger, but it doesn't mean that He doesn't get angry. And when the people of Israel refused to turn back to God, He sent the Babylonians and they destroyed everything. They took them as captives to Babylon, destroyed the temple, the walls of Jerusalem. And years later, Nehemiah is sent back to repair the walls. And he prays to God, and this is what he says. We have acted very wickedly towards you We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws. You have have, gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. It's such a powerful prayer because Nehemiah says, you warned us about this, Lord God. What you told us would happen has actually happened. But I, I love the prayer because Nehemiah doesn't stop there. He says, you you remember the instruction you gave, you gave your servant Moses brown faithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. He reminds God and says, but you also said that if we repented, that if we turned around, if we turned back to you, that you would bless us once again. One of the reasons why the spiritual hedge in our lives is compromised is because of disobedience. Sorry, the Bible says God is slow to anger, but he's abounding in love. He's abounding in love. It's like a parent. I mean, if we've got a choice to discipline or not, we would would always choose the other road. But sometimes, even as a parent, the most loving thing that we can do, the most loving thing that we can do is set boundaries or consequences for behavior. So so one of the reasons why the spiritual hedge in our lives is compromised is because of disobedience. We ignore the principles of God's word. We think God is blind, ignorant, and deaf. Because we don't feel the consequences immediately, we think it's all gonna be good. But the word of the Lord is clear. Do not be deceived. In due season, we will reap the fruit of our decisions. It's it's such a powerful principle. So simple to understand and yet so deep and powerful. The decisions we make today, the habits we develop in in our lives will determine where we end up in 5, 10, 20 years' time. First reason why the hedge comes down is we ignore the principles of God's word. The second reason why the hedge is compromised is not so much because of what we do, but more because of what we don't do. We fail to build or cultivate the hedge. Great example of this in the, in, in, with Hezekiah, Sambalat threatened to come against him. Hezekiah knew he was coming and he prepared for the enemy. Sambalat, who was, a, was an enemy to Israel said, I'm coming back next year and I'm gonna deal with you. And so what did Hezekiah do? The Bible says, Then he worked hard. Listen, listen to what he says. Second Chronicles 32 verse 5 says this, Then he worked hard repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. He built another wall outside that one and reinforced the supporting terraces of the city of David. Hezekiah examined the walls in the city and found there were parts that were broken. He says, there's an enemy coming. Uh, in in the in the in the near future, he does a he does an examination of the walls of Jerusalem. Finds that there are some places that are broken down. He understood that the city was only as strong as the weakest part of it. He understood that 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 the city was only as strong as the weakest part of the wall. All the enemy had to do was find the weakest point and take the whole city. So he sets out to repair the sections in the wall that were broken, he also sets up towers and he builds another wall around it to strengthen the wall. Reason why some people experience trials, challenges, difficulties is because they refuse to do anything about the hedge, the wall, the issues in their lives. It can be a marriage that's in trouble, but they refuse to get help. It can be an illness, but they refuse Medical attention. It can be anxiety, but they're too afraid to get help. See a counselor speak to a doctor. I don't want to do that. It's too hard. Then I've got to talk about what's going on inside of me. I don't want to do that. And, and they, they know that there's a, there's, a, there's a breach in the wall, but they refuse to do anything about it. Slaves to porn or an addictive behaviour, but refuse to get help. So it's not so much because of what they do, but what they don't do. They love God, they wanna serve God. They they wanna please God, they wanna do the right thing. They don't actively go and sin, that's not what they wanna do, they wanna please God, but they refuse to build or repair the hedge or the wall. I like what the Bible says about Hezekiah. It says, Hezekiah worked hard repairing all the broken sections of the wall. He did an assessment of the wall and he worked hard to repair those sections takes a lot of energy and effort to, do some, to deal with some of the brokenness in our life. It, 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 it takes a lot of work to deal with some of the, the, the brokenness in our lives. And when the Bible is speaking about the wall, it's usually speaking about the soul. Most of us know what physical health looks like. We know we're supposed to eat vegetables and fruit and everything that tastes terrible. We know we're supposed to eat that kind of stuff, right? We know how to take care of the body exercise, blah, blah, blah. If we've been in church any, any length of time, we also know how to take care of ourselves spiritually. We know we should read the Bible, pray, and, 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 uh, and come to church. We know that if we're gonna have spiritual health, they're the kinds of things that we need to do. But how do we take care of the soul? We're not so sure how to take care of the soul. How do we take care of the mind? How do we make sure that we have a healthy mind? How do we take care of our emotions, our will? soul most of the pain that we experience in life has to do with the emotions it doesn't have to do with the body some of the greatest pain that we experience in life has to do with the soul i was listening to a guy yesterday and and he was saying that you know when he was quite young his uh this guy's it it was it was old uh older uh gotta be careful that whole term has changed you know changes every year now but he was older and he probably in his 60s and um um And uh, he says, I remember, my dad said, he was one of two or three brothers, his dad said to him, you know, you're lazy and you're never gonna amount to anything. He said to him, you're lazy and you're never gonna, he told him, his older brother, he was a hunter, he was a blah, 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 it was all that kind of stuff. He wasn't like that, he was different. Dad said to him, you're lazy, you're never gonna amount to anything. He said, my dad told me maybe seven times, He said, but I could never get that thought out of my head. He said, I repeated it in my head hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And it affected the decisions I made, how I felt about myself. He was physically healthy, emotionally broken. The walls were compromised. How do we deal with that? Well, one of the ways that we can deal with it is by, by bringing it into the presence of God. I love what Hezekiah did, just listen really carefully. What did Hezekiah do? Number one, number one, he assessed the walls and he said that it's broken here. It probably sounds like nothing, but actually it's one of the most powerful things that we can do in our lives is actually acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the source of brokenness. What is the first point in AA? I am. My name's Joe and I'm an alcoholic. It's admitting I've got a problem with this. I am powerless over this situation. It's where 80% of, the, of, 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 the, of dealing with a particular issue is just admitting what it is and that it is a problem in my life and it's affecting me. It's what Hezekiah did, first thing he did. We got a broken... Whoa, in this, 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 this. Second thing he did, he built towers. What does that speak to us about? I believe it speaks to us about the fact that we all need people in our lives that can see higher than us, that can see further than us. I believe that speaks about having, having fathers and, and, and mothers and, and, and mentors and, and uh, uh, spiritual fathers, that, that pe- people that can, that, that can see further than us and higher than us. Because I recognise that, you know what, I can be deceived. I recognise that I can start to think black is white and white is black. So what I do is I bring people into my life that can see higher and further away. So they can see an enemy coming from afar and they can say, hey, Joe, what are you doing? Let's get back on track. And then, and then it says, he built another wall around the wall that was there. What does that speak to me about? That speaks to me about support. The Bible says two are better than one. Why? Because if one should fall, another one will pick them up. Two are better than one because there's productivity. So we bring people in our lives that will support us, especially in those weak areas. Moses is on the mountain, hands are lifted up. He has Aaron and her with him. Why? Because he knows that he can get tired and they're gonna help him. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He doesn't go alone. He brings Peter, James and John. Why? Because He knows that together they're gonna to be much stronger. Who are the people in our lives that can support us? I thank God there's, there's, there's a number of people. And I'm not talking about you know, hundreds and hundreds. I'm not talking about Facebook friends. I'm talking about real friends that you can go to. And usually you just need one or two of those. And I thank God over the years I've been able to talk to people. We've talked, we've developed a relationship, you know, where I can say to them, hey, I'm going through a really difficult time. Will you pray for me? Uh, You know, Pastor Joe and I, we work, Pastor Joseph and I work together. But there's been times in my life, significant moments where I'm going through a tough time. I've gone into his office. I said, Pastor Joe, would you keep me in prayer? I'm just, just going through a dark time. How good is it to know someone else is praying for me? How good is it to know someone else is in in their prayer closet interceding on my behalf, encouraging me and helping me through. Hezekiah, he, he worked hard at repairing the walls. It's hard to repair those broken areas in our lives. It's hard work, but it's worth doing because if we don't, the enemy can just walk in anytime he wants. Greatest thing that we can do is allow God to help us restore the brokenness of our soul. It's beautiful. Nehemiah, you can read the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was sent to Jerusalem to repair the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, The name Nehemiah, I forget exactly what it means. I think it means comforter or something. But Nehemiah was a type of the Holy Spirit. And when we give our life to Jesus Christ, The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The job of the Holy Spirit is to form Christ in up. The job of the Holy Spirit is to restore the brokenness in our lives. It's not about the brokenness, it's not about the issue, it's what we do with the issue. We can blame and we can deny and we can medicate the pain or we can bring it into the presence of God, allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in our lives. Psalmist David said, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. He helps us forgive those that have hurt us. He helps us express the pain that in a safe place. We talked about that last week. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us to wholeness. Holiness, wholeness is what holiness means. And you know, your greatest weakness doesn't have to be your downfall, can be your greatest strength but you need to do the work to repair the hedge. And all of us need to do some work because we're all dysfunctional. It's just a question of degree. Can I hear an amen? It wasn't a very loud amen at all. Amen. Still another reason for why our hedge is compromised and that is for divine purpose. Reason why we go through trials, challenges, difficulties is not because of what we have, done, or what we haven't done, the reason why we go through a hedge, uh, sorry, because our hedge is compromised, because God is wanting to outwork a greater purpose in our lives. We see this in the life of Job. Job is described as a man of character, and there doesn't seem to be any noticeable sin in his life. It's God Himself who says to Satan, have you considered Job, he's a man of character, he's a servant, he's an amazing guy, a man of integrity. So there were no noticeable sins in his life. So why did Job go through the trial? Well, with the story of Job, we have the benefit of seeing the whole story. We have the benefit of seeing all 42 chapters. When you read the whole book of Job, you you, you know how it began, middle chapters, how it finished. Because of that, we can get a whole perspective of his life. So when we look at the story of Job, we see a very different Job at the end of chapter 42. We know how the story began. We know the middle chapters. But then we know how it finished. And we see a very different Job. You look at the book. Opens up with a description of him. Man was blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil. Then it goes on to say what he had. How wealthy he actually was. Bible says he had seven sons and three daughters. 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. Then the text says he had 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys. Now, I'm not a numbers person. Some people are into numbers in the Bible, you know what I mean? I know there's a book of numbers, but some people are into, you know, (laughs) they get people's names and then each each letter in their name has a number and they go, oh, this guy's definitely the Antichrist or the other, whatever. Um, Not into that. But just notice some of the numbers here. Three and seven are numbers for God. Perfection. And they add up to 10. There's a bit of mass there this morning. Don't, don't, it's okay, it's okay. Three plus seven equals 10, which is the number for trials. And the number five in the Bible is the number for grace or favor. Uh, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, they add up to five and five equals 10. There we see the number coming up again, which means trial. Now, some of you might be looking at me a bit funny about five meaning grace let me just give you one example in the Bible where uh, number five appears as a significant number. Um, how many people know, how many books there are in the Pentateuch? Five. There you go. Five books. Wow, that's a revelation. Uh, that's what I was looking for. Come on guys, help me out here a bit. I worked all week on that, you know. Um, you know The Old Testament, the guys in the Old Testament and the New Testament, all they had was the first five books of the Bible. And with, contained in those five books of the Bible were the promises of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the blessing and the favour of God. It was all in those first five books of the Bible. So just in those first few verses, you have the whole purpose of the book. Here was Job who was impeccable, blameless. And yet his relationship with God could go deeper. How do we know that? Job 42, five. my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. What he's saying, I used to know you this much, but now my eyes have, have seen you. I have a much deeper revelation of who you are. What helped him to get there was a trial that was caused by his hedge being compromised. What got him through the trial was the grace of God and the favor of God and the blessing of God. Keep reading on right at the end. And the Bible says that God gave him, I can't remember, it was double everything he had before the trial. As one person described the book of Job, he described it as a love story the reason why God will at times allow our spiritual hedge to be compromised, allow us to go through a trial, be tested, dark night of the soul, is because God is wanting to do a deeper work in our lives. It's because God is wanting to reveal Himself to us in a deeper way. God's not so much interested in our comfort as much as our relationship with Him. God says, in you know, Zia, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't care about your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I couldn't care less about what you bring to the table. I just want you to know me. I want you to know me. It's the heart of God for you and me. It's God wanting us to know Him in a greater, deeper way, not in some superficial way, religious way, but to have a close friendship with Him. I talked about it earlier on in the baby presentation. What is the primary purpose for each and every one of us? The primary purpose for each and every one of us is to know God and to love Him. Our mission here at Life is we want people to know God, grow, grow together and serve others. I'm the pastor, I should know that, okay? Just stay with me on this one. I'm committed to the vision. <laughs> Jeepers, creepers. Our, our, our primary mission is to know God and not to know God, oh well I, I've given my life to Jesus, I'm saying, no, it's not to know God like that. It's to know God in a deep way. It's the heart of God for you and me. He's wanting us to know him in a greater way, not in some superficial way. Think about the kind of relationship you want to have with your spouse or with your friend. It's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you and me. Are you happy with a friendship that's superficial? Oh, love my friends. Yeah, we just talk about superficial stuff. Oh, they're my best friends. It's not the kind, it does nothing to us. Doesn't move us one little bit. Our 65,000 Facebook friends' data doesn't move us one bit. It's all about narcissism and making us feel good because we've got that many friends. Sorry, I just thought throw that in just for free. That's for free, all right? Um, What is the the one thing we crave in our generation? i tell you what we crave more than anything else in in this generation, it's friendship. We are the loneliest generation of all time. We've got no clue how to develop friendships. And the kind of friendships we want are the kind of friendship where you can just be yourself and not be judged, where you can have a a deep conversation with someone, where our spirit touches the spirit of the other person. And when you've you've had that kind of a conversation with someone, you go away feeling full. You're a better person because of that. It's what we crave. And that's what God wants to have with, with you. God wants to have that kind of a relationship with you and me. And there are times where God will allow us to go through suffering to to, to, to accomplish a greater purpose. It's in the trial that God does some of His greatest work in shaping the human heart. Ask Job if he could go through the trial again, whether he would. And I bet you he would say yes. Because as a result of that trial, he was closer to God than ever before. Isn't that why Paul says, for our light, light and momentary troubles, I love the way he calls them that, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There's purpose in the trial that is producing a glory that has eternal value. What about James who says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Those two words should not be in the same verse. Joy and trials. They should not. It's an oxymoron. They should not appear in the same verse. And yet that's what james says because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature complete lacking nothing i don't know about you but they're the kind of words i want to, desc- to people to describe me pa- pastor joe is mature complete not like he's not there yet he's got a long way to go but that's the kind of words i would like to aim for imagine someone says oh pastor joe he's very superficial full of cliches that's not the kind of person I want to be. I want, I, want, I want to be someone who's mature, not lacking anything. How do we get there? By reading a book? Sometimes it's by going through some tough trials. Paul says in Romans, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. There it is again. I've never gloried in any sufferings. I've never, I've never joyed, been joyful in any trials. Because we know that the suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Listen, listen. You you know when you meet someone who's gone through a job experience, and you talk to them. You, you know that there's something deep about this person. You 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 know this person has been through the wars. They've they've walked out and. And they, they can minister in a way that no one else can. So many of us want to see God, but we don't want to pay, pay the price to get there. I've been through a number of things in my life, not, not as bad as some of the stuff you've been through. And as I was going through them, I never, I, never, I never said, oh, thank you, Lord. Never, 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 <laughs> never, never, never. Never, never, know But as I look back, I say, "Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, for allowing me to go through that stuff because it's shaped who I am today." Three reasons why our spiritual hedge is compromised: why we go through trials, because we ignore the principles of God's word, we fail to build or cultivate the hedge. Sometimes it's for divine purses, purpose. How do you know which it is? How do you know what what you need to do? Where, irrespective of why. We're in the trial. There's only one way to get through it. And that is to do what Job did. Job cried out to God. Job 23 says, If only I knew where to find him. If only I could do, go to his dwelling. But if I go to the east, he's not there. If I go to the west, I don't find him. When he's at work in the north, I don't see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. I can't hear God, feel God, or see God. And yet he presses into God. He doesn't move. He perseveres in the presence of God until God begins to speak. If we're going to get through a trial, a painful trial, a situation that is not going to change, it's not fixable, makes no sense, where God seems powerless and absent, the greatest thing that we can do is press into God. Don't leave. Persevere until God begins to speak. It's go into the presence of God because that's where the answers are gonna be found. It's in the presence of God that God begins to convict us of sin. It's in the presence of God where God begins to say, hey, Joe, we've got some stuff that needs to change. Suddenly, we can see things in our lives we couldn't see before. We start to confess it to God. Blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And God begins to do a work in our lives. It's in the presence of God that God begins to say, this is the way, walk ye in it. But God gives us the grace to make the phone call, to make some tough decisions. It's in the presence of God where God reveals himself in a a, a powerful way. Notice what James says, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of our Lord. As you know, we count as blessed, those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Where did Job persevere? I tell you where Job persevered. He persevered in the presence of God. He persevered in the presence of God. So often when we go through a trial, we need to be careful that we resist the temptation to blame to deny the reality of, to medicate the pain. There are ways we can deal with it, but they're not gonna help us get through it. Greatest way that we can deal with the pain is by bringing it into the presence of God. It's what Job did, and he didn't move. He didn't move, he refused to move. There's times in my life where I've said to God, just going through some stuff. I I don't get, I don't get what, I don't understand what you're doing, Lord God. Either God is real or He's not. If He's not real, then let's just do something else. But if He is real and He is sovereign and He's the creator of the heavens and the earth, then I kind of want to know what's going on here. And there's times I've gone into the presence of God, no answers. I say to God, you know what, we'll be back tomorrow. (laughs) And nothing the other, I'll be back the next day off. I'll be back the day after. I'll be back next week, next month, next year. I'll be back here because I've got nowhere else to go. The disciples said to Jesus, you're the only one who has the words of life. Where else am I going to go? When I got baptized in water some years ago, they said to me, do you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins? I do. Are you willing to serve Him all the days of your life? I said, I will. And that means through the good times and through the bad times. God has blessed me in so many different ways. But it's even through the trials I'm gonna serve the Lord. I love I love Job. I love Job. I love I love Job. Job had experienced the incredible blessings of God. And now he's in the trial. And his relationship with God just goes to another level. And while he's in, while he's in the in the in the in the darkness of the valley, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. And one day I shall see him. For he knows the way that I take. He knows. He knows, I can't hear Him. I can't see Him. I I, I don't know where He is. It feels like there's a ceiling, but He knows the way that I take. And Job goes as far as saying, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. I haven't got a clue why this is going on in my life. I haven't got a clue what this is all about, but I trust God. Because at the end of the day, the trial, it's a crisis of faith. Am I gonna trust God? Or am I gonna walk away from God? Trial is is gonna do one of two things. Either 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 you're gonna get closer to God or or you're gonna turn away from God. It's gonna do one of those two things. and, And the greater the trial, the greater the revelation of God, or the greater the walking away. Greatest thing that we can do. It's pressing to God, concept of a spiritual hedge for me is a powerful concept. You ever notice some people seem to do well in life? They're used by God, seem to be blessed. They don't struggle, even when they go through a hard time. They seem to just work through it. I don't like people like that. Can I hear an amen? I just only friends that I just don't like. If you look closely at their lives, you will see that they have been intentional about building a spiritual hedge so that when the trial comes, they're ready for it. They've been preparing for years. And it's the grace of God that gets them through. I wonder today, how's the spiritual hedge in your life going? If you could get a picture of the hedge, the wall in your life, what does it look like? Here's the deal. We all have work to do in our hedges. We all need to repair some gates, some broken sections. It's a lifelong exercise. I know where they are in my life. I, I, I know where I've got to deal with stuff. I know. And I'm praying, Lord, strengthen. I wonder there might be someone whose wall needs repair. Maybe there's a sin that needs to be dealt with. Maybe there's a, something you need to do, a decision you need to make. And maybe you're in a tough situation, but you've got no clue why. makes no sense at all for you, maybe you just need to persevere, just need to wait on God. Because at the right time, God will begin to speak. He will speak. He can't help it but speak. God allows us to go through stuff, but He's watching and waiting. We may not feel His presence, but He's there. And at the right time, He will speak. And if we persevere, if we wait on God, we'll get to a place where we say, oh, my ears had heard of Him, but now my eyes have seen Him. By the grace of God and for the glory of God. Can I hear an amen? In the name of Jesus. Stand with me. I love the Bible because this book that's over 2,000 years old still speaks to us today. Still has the capacity to speak into the deepest parts of our lives, of our spirit, of our hearts. And the greatest thing that we can do is just to give our lives to Jesus. Pastor Joe, where do I start? Just give our life to Jesus. Just open up your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I give my life to you. I surrender to you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. That's what baptism is all about. Baptism is just a, an external um, thing we do that confirms an internal decision that you've already made, which is I'm going to serve God all the days of my life. For richer for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death will us depart, I'm going to serve the Lord by His grace and for His glory. That's where it all begins. You don't have to pray a fancy prayer. Just invite Jesus into your life. Jesus, I give my life to you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Be the person you've called me to be, I pray in Jesus' name. So Father, I thank you for this congregation. Father, you see in our lives what we can't see. And Lord, I just pray that our eyes would be open to see what you see. A lot of words have been spoken this morning. But as we walk out of this place, I just pray that you would bring to mind the one or two things that we need to act upon. That by the Holy Spirit, you would bring to mind the things that we need to do. We want to be everything you've called us to be want to serve your purposes in our generation. Thank you so much for your love, and grace, and mercy towards us. Such an amazing God. It's going to be everything you've called us to be. This is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, be in an amazing congregation. May God bless you. Have a blessed week. And we see you back next week in Jesus' name. Amen.